Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 759. This is part two of my talk with Pete Stout. Don't be afraid to go a different way and find the best team to journey with. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce to you today's very special guest, Pete Stout. And this is the second part of a talk with Pete. We started yesterday, and this is a continuation. So, Pete, are you buckled up and ready to continue the ride? I am, Mark. Pete Stout is the editor-in-chief and managing partner of Triple Zero Magazine. It's a quarterly journal dedicated to the Porsche mark. He teamed up with co-founder Alex Palevsky and creative director Justin Page to create this wonderful Triple Zero, which is a reference to Porsche's three-digit model type numerology. To call this a magazine is quite a stretch. This thing's huge. It's 260-plus pages, perfect bound publication, and it takes a deep dive with 3 to 7% advertising, meaning most of the book is all about Porsche cars and will no doubt be a keeper for its readers. Pete spent 14 years as editor of the Porsche publication Excellence and then three-plus years as editor of the Porsche Club of America magazine, Porsche Panorama. Prior to that, he was an editor at Ross Periodicals and a freelance writer. So let's jump back to where we were yesterday, and I'd love for you to share a story about your first special car. Now, I know a lot about this. You may surprise me here, but uh, what was your first really special car? And maybe share a memory or two about that vehicle. Well, it's not as it, they're becoming a bit more special in the car world than they maybe were to most people. But for me, it's a very special car, and it's a 1973 914. Uh, we call it the Question Leader because I've never even bothered to pull a certificate of authenticity on it. I I just don't really care. Uh, I think it was a 1.7. We think it started life as a 1.7. Um, it was probably a 1.9 by the time I got it, and I'll now I'll never know because I sold that engine, unfortunately. But my family purchased for my older brother a 1973 914 around 1986, and he had it in high school. He looked at MGs. He was really into MGBs. Someone tried to give him a Triumph Stag, and my dad uh, warned him away from that. And for whatever reason, he switched to a 914 in the end, maybe because of the VW roots in our family, and, and, and my dad was maybe more comfortable with that. He drove the same 64 bus to work for 30 years. Wow. <laughs> my parents were VW people through and through. Uh, yeah. And my dad always called Porsches, uh, what did he call them? Dishonest Volkswagens. <laughs> so this 73 914 ended up in my brother's possession, and it changed my worldview. I was five and a half years younger, especially when it came to cars. We would drive to the hills of Berkeley on those back roads, and I couldn't believe how a car could corner. You know, I'd read about all this stuff growing up in Car and Driver, but until you feel a proper sports car go through a corner, a Lotus Europa or a 914 or something that really has a low CG and mid-engined, of course, other cars can do these things too, front and rear-engined, whatever. But that was my first taste. This 914 was my first real taste of what a sports car was like from the passenger seat. My brother left it behind when we went to college and got into motorcycles, and... Then when it was time for me to go to uh, into a car, I wanted our hot I wanted a hot rod a rabbit that we had, but it blew up, so I got stuck with the 914, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which I didn't even want, and I didn't like the way it looked, and it wasn't for me so much. 
And that car I got stuck with changed my life. That little car introduced me to Easy, which is European Auto Salvage Yard out of Emeryville, mm-hmm. and Jim Brazil. There's a guy to interview. Yeah, uh, love to have him on the show. He is. He's just. He's one of the genuine good guys in the hobby. And now I guess I've known him for 25 years now, maybe more. 28 years, 27 years. Luke's in Sharman, a famous shop. Unfortunately, uh, Harry's no longer with us. That shop goes back to the RSK days. Is a shop in Albany. That little 914 paved the way to learn what steering feels like, what it's supposed to feel like, right. and what honest, simple engineering is like, and how to wrench on a car. It was a simple enough car that I could wrench on it with my father, and I could do – I did a five-lug conversion in high school, and you know, I, I could do things on it myself. So that car taught me a tremendous amount, and I've kept it ever since. So for me, it's it's a very, very special car. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, we had a 2.0 for a little while. I had the wild idea that that'd be a great first car for my son, and then my wife looked at me and said, "Where's the airbags?" And that kind of went out the window. So, <laughs> but uh, but he used to drive it up and down the parking lot when I'd go into work on Saturdays, and he was young and uh, practicing out in the driveway. But yeah, fun, fun, fun little cars for sure. Well, how about Sellers Remorse? Is there a car you've owned and let go that you really wish you had back? There's two. Uh, my first 911. I sold it for the right reason. I had a 79 SC that was just dialed. It was a really nice car. Those SCs are awesome. Yeah, they're great cars, great all around. This was an odd one. It was a silver black coupe, which is normal enough, but it had full leather, which was unusual for an SC. And uh, had early turbo tail, and normally I don't like tails, but it looked great on that car and fog light delete and it just yeah. sixes and seven or not sixes and seven, sevens, sevens and eights. And eights yeah. yeah. 16 sevens and eights with, with AVS intermediates, the very last set that Tyrac had. And, um, the car was just aesthetically dialed and it had a really strong three liter in it built by a guy. I think his name was Bob Farmer back East. Kate Cavell brought the car out to California and it ended up going through a whole series of friends. Uh, my friend Josh Ofstein bought it and then Johannes Van Overbeck bought it. And then he called me to see if I knew anybody who wanted one. And I was looking for a good 968. And I said, well, how much are you asking? And his price was exactly my budget for the 968. So I, I pulled the trigger. But coming into marriage, I looked at everything and said, you know, I don't really want to go into marriage with two old Porsches. You know, I'd rather get I think I'd rather get to know Rebecca on the weekends than than my brake master cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. So the nine eleven went and was turned into a wedding ring and a down payment on my first new car. <laughs> yep. I mainly missed that car looked great to me. It was mm-hmm. just a very well dialed in car. It needed some handling work. I missed that car. And then the other one is I sold our Abarth about a year ago. Uh, we have oh. a modern Abarth and I we bought that as a grocery getter. It's just something kind of goofy. And I fell in love with that little car. So those are the two. I miss those two. Yeah. Remorse. Two great cars to miss. Well, you're like everyone else. We all have those stories, so don't feel so bad. Well, real briefly here, we've talked so much about this new triple zero, but give our listeners a little bit of a taste for what they could experience if they subscribe. And again, I can't emphasize enough. If you love Porsches, even if you don't have a Porsche, but you're a Porsche lover, or if you just love great information, I would suggest you check this out because it is worth every really penny. But tell our listeners a little bit about what they might expect subscribing to this publication. So it's 256 pages plus covers. So it's 260 pages. And in those pages, I think that's the thing that hasn't gotten out so much yet. And maybe that's on us, but we've kind of felt that triple zero we want it to be less of a shouty brand. I feel like there are so many shouty brands right now. And I feel that the heart of Porsche was never shouty. Ferry Porsche was not a shouty individual. He was into dark greens and grays and subtleties. And so triple zero, we haven't 
shared all that much of what's inside, and we'll share a little bit today. The, the inside of those 260 pages are articles that can be 40 or 50 pages long on a single car. So the feature stories are massive. Mm-hmm. And the driver on this was I got tired of throwing away all these great photos that I wanted to show, but before never had the pages. I had to do seven pages or five pages or three pages, or maybe if I was really lucky, 11 or 13 pages. And so as we were going through, Justin Page and I were designing these articles in the early stages for the prototype issue. He would say, which under undercar shot, this engine or the whole car? And I'd say both. And we'd look at some of these details, which would be a postage stamp or just too artistic and you'd throw it away. And i say, I want them all. And you'd say, well, this article's getting to be 60 pages. This article on 911 RR4 is 60 pages long. I said, great. So we're, we're going to do fewer articles this time. But that's We're running that article. And so, for instance, that article is on 911 RR4, and that's the fourth known prototype. In the process of that article, we discovered Randy Leffingwell, our historical editor, discovered evidence of two more prototypes that really we don't know much about. We, we have photos of one without the VIN number, and we have a VIN number without photos of the other. <laughs> okay. uh, but both predate the R1, R2, R3, R4. So this article is on only on R4. It talks about the R prototypes. It talks about the R to an extent. But then it has a 20-page appendix. I'm guessing 15, 20-page appendix with two more photo shoots, one studio of the car and then another studio shoot of original R parts. Mm. There's production build records. There's, there's you know interviews of every part number that it takes to change from an S to an R is there, is listed. Every part number. Wow. And then also Porsche's internal records on they weighed it. Those engineers, those crazy engineers under Ferdinand Piech, or maybe it was just Ferdinand Piech who was crazy, they weighed everything and they they weighed out, they tried it in aluminum and they tried it in fiberglass and all the weights. They they kept records. Those aren't those aren't easy records to find. Right. Well, we found them. Kerry Morris helped us find those, and they're all there. So there's things like that. There's also this this latest issue. Issue one has a story on houndstooth. And as you probably know, the 911.50, the 2013-2014 car, had the return of houndstooth seats. Right. And the marketing material is called Pepita, and, and I wanted to know more about that. In every issue, there's a department just called Surface, and it's each issue, it deals with something you can touch mm-hmm. on a Porsche. What is the material? How did it come to be? Why did they choose that? And so I wanted to do houndstooth or Pepita. And so you know, I, con- I was in Germany, and Boris Oppenbrink at Exclusive I talked with him, and he got really excited. He said, oh, let me connect you with these colleagues. And so we connect with those colleagues, and they say, well, the first thing you need to know is that Pepita and Houndstooth are not the same. And I wrote him back. The first thing I thought was, I like you already. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell me more. And he almost sounded kind of angry about it when I mentioned Pepita Houndstooth. And and, and, uh, I said, I like this guy. And so tell me more. And we ended up going into the design building at at Weissach. I've been in this business for 20 years. I've been in Weissach five or ten times at most, and you, they usually take your camera, you yeah. sign all sorts of things, you, you know, and I've never been anywhere near the design building, and I've heard that it's very hard to get in, and here I went, and wow. I saw a, a corner of a concept car peeking out of one room as we were going up some stairs, and I, the inner, inner voice was, don't look, <laughs> yeah. don't ask, just go where they tell you, right. and so I went where they told me, and we walked right through a room that I've only seen in photos, and then usually only 20 years old. And then we walked into a boardroom, and here were four designers from Interior from Porsche. And they were young. They were bright-eyed. I'd never seen them on any press trip. And so we started talking about Houndstooth and how it came to be and discovered some very interesting things about its properties and about how it's made. Uh, it's actually seatbelt material. That's why it's a little bit shiny. They, they make it out of the same thread as seatbelts. Okay. And ended up doing a history on Pepita, 
where did the name come from of Pepita? And how is it different than Houndstooth? The two are different patterns, and they're different than Glencheck, and they're different than, than Puppytooth. So <laughs> I learned all this stuff that, for me, my mother was a designer, and for me, it became very interesting. And so, on the one hand, you see the anoraki details of things like the 911 R4 prototype, or every early Fuchs wheel. We did a story just on every version of the early Fuchs wheel, photos of everything, yeah. and original markings, and all stuff with Harvey Weedman. We worked through that. On the other, you've got this design thing, and what we're really seeing with subscribers is a lot of our subscribers, a good number of them are women, and a good number of them seem to be particularly interested in design, and that, to me, is extremely gratifying. So those are the kinds of things you might see in triple zero. I've got one more. You can feel free to edit this out if you like, but I, as a 914 guy, have always been interested in the two eight-cylinder cars they built, the mm-hmm. factory-built two flat-eight 914s with 908 engines, or so I thought. Oh, okay. And I've never seen a good article on those cars. I've seen good articles on one car, but never enough to really scratch the itch for me. And so Dieter Lonenberger at the Porsche Archive said, yeah, we can do it, and you can shoot the two together. And I said, has this ever been done? He said, I will look. He said, I don't think so. And he came back and confirmed, no, it's ne- they've never been shot together. And then I had a Carrie Morris, uh, a friend and incredible historian, deep, deeply knowledgeable Porsche enthusiast, collector, you name it. Carrie, our, our editor at Random, confirmed from his knowledge, never been shot together. So as far as I know, they'd never been shot together. We shot the two cars together. One was built for Ferdinand Piech and the other for Ferry Porsche for for his 60th birthday, I believe. And one's silver, that's Ferry's car, subtle. And then the other is orange and loud and full race, Piech. Just like Piech, yes. (laughs) You got it. Yeah. And Dieter not only did that, but he found the man who built the cars. Wow. And so we sat down in the archive and interviewed Hans Klausecker. And what a wonderful human being. And as I was asking all of these nerdy questions, he's, he looked at me and he said, could we go see them? He said, could, in German, he said, could we go see them? I might remember better. And we thought, well, okay, we can go see them. We're shooting them right now. And after lunch, we'll go see them. So we go to see them. And he's 70, I believe it was 76 or 72 that day, last summer. And he walked into the huge storage facility, Porsche's museum storage facility. And clearly he had never been there because he caught his breath and stopped. But then he made a beeline right for the silver 914-8, really 914-S. We've been calling them 914-8s, but they are, per documentation, they're called 914-S and 914-S2. And so the silver car is 914-S2. And he made a beeline for the car and laid down on the concrete to look under it like a 22-year-old. <laughs> it was like it was like he dropped 50 years yeah. and was nimble and just laid right down wow. and looked underneath. And so as we were talking about the cars, I said, oh, you must be honored that the family kept these in the collection. And I said, did you get any feedback on these cars in the in the day? And he said, he, he, he smiled and with these clear blue eyes, kind of smiled and then said in German, he said, in those days, if you received no feedback, it was better. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. And then I asked him, when was the last time you saw the cars? And he said, 47 years. Wow, wow. And there's a photo in that issue, the prototype issue. There's a photo of him behind the wheel that Lisa Linka took, a German photographer living in Southern California. She and her husband handled that shoot. They're both shooters, Nate Hassler, who's from Pacific Northwest. There's a photo that Lisa grabbed of Hans sitting in the chair of Ferdinand Piek in the driver's seat of the orange car. Probably nobody has more hours in that car than Hans Klausecker. 
who would drive it to the racetrack of Weissach before Weissach was much more than a racetrack and leave it there for the weekend for Piek and then come back and get it with notes from Piek on what to fix. And it was a photo that Lisa got of Hans Klausecker at the steering wheel of this car. And you see him through the glass. And Mark, you can see the memories coming back to him in the photo. You can see yeah. clearly through his hands, through the wheel, through his facial expression, you can see yeah. the memories flooding back to him. Wow. These, are what, these are the things you find in Triple Zero and a few other unexpected oddities. Well, I think as you listeners listen to that wonderful story, you get a taste and flair for the in-depth uh, approach that's being taken here with Triple Zero. So I, at least I hope that's what you got from it. It was a thrilling story. You took us right there. It was great. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Pete. If you were a car, <laughs> what kind of car would Pete be and why? You know, it's a funny thing. I thought long and hard about this because I've never thought of myself as a car. Uh, and I had to think, and there's, you had an interesting point. So this isn't what you want to be, but instead how you perceive yourself. Yeah. How do you manifest it in a car? And so initially I thought, oh, you know, Carrera GT or, 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 or Yellowbird or, 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 or 911. X, whatever 911, we're going to RS 4.0, you know, which 997, which was a real highlight for me. I think I'm, that violates the second part of your prompt, right. which is this isn't about how you what, who you want to be. It's who you are, right. and, and and how are you manifested? And I, for me, I guess oddly enough, it, it's a 914. Uh, I ended up with that as my first car, and I've kept yeah. it. And maybe that's a little bit of why, but for me, it's a slightly misunderstood car. It's um, it's not. You have to work with it. It's a car that you have to work with a little bit. It's uh, it's styling. I've grown to think it's beautiful in its own way i don't think it's pretty but i think it's 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 beautiful as an engineering exercise so a little bit of the red redheaded stepchild amongst porsche for many many years yeah but the people who got it got it like that car was you know that car was effective and mm-hmm. honest it's it looks like what it is it was an honest car and I, i'd like to think that some of those attributes uh follow I, and it was a teacher that car taught me a lot mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's what i'd like to be or if it's what i am but I like the idea that that car helped me down the road, and hopefully I helped some others down the road. Very nice thought through. I appreciate that. <laughs> Very nicely done. Well, Pete, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Car Show sponsors. Okay. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me 
with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Pete, we're back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't drive in reverse any further than you have to. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I want to ask why you got that advice, but I think I get the, the premise here. So we'll just move on. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Don't be afraid to go a different way and find the best team to journey with. Ah, great advice. Excellent advice. Now, do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? Obviously, other than Triple Zero, because it's become sure. a wonderful resource, but there's some great ones out there. Well, we're young. There's, there are some great ones out there, some young, some old. And I'm going to go with three, because I think they're important in the, in the culture of Porsche. And people turn to me for Porsche things. So one is, I'm going to say PCA. Porsche Club of America is a remarkable institution, more than 60 years old now, and really built by the hard work of decades of hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of, of volunteers. They are the ones from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s that built the infrastructure the club now enjoys. And for $46 a year, you have access to tracks and tech tactics and concor and socials and all kinds of things. There's something there for everybody, and you get a great magazine with it. So I, I think, without question, PCA is, is the first uh, resource I'd recommend, especially if someone's looking into Porsche. It's a no-brainer. Uh, Excellence Magazine as well. That's more of a, it's a non-club kind of thing. It's my alma mater when it comes to magazines. And it's it's great to see it continue to thrive. And that's another resource. There's a lot of solid advertisers there. There's a lot of uh, interesting hot rods. It's a different thing than panorama content. So it's something to look at. And then I I think there's got to be some experiential. And so for me, that's Lifka Cold. Patrick Longs, he's, he's building something new. Uh, to me, that's the new type that's that's the next chapter in events when it comes to Porsche. Interesting locations. You don't expect them. You're not on the golf course. You're, you're on pay Cars are on pavement in photographically interesting places. And the crowd is great. Crowd's really great. Laid back. Fun. Tell our listeners, uh, Luftekult, what that word means. Well, it, it means air-cooled, literally. And it's funny because there's a sister organization within Porsche that's not all that well-known. So Porsche AG has a series of clubs for their employees. And the, the one that we probably would care most about, they, they have tennis clubs and who knows, knitting clubs and all sorts of things. But the one that we would like, I've been to their clubhouse twice now, is the, see if I don't murder this, it's the Friends of the Air-Cooled Horizontally Opposed Engine Club. And... <laughs> And uh, Lifka Colt factors into that. Yeah. Uh, so Lifka Colt means air-cooled. It, it is a movement 
that sort of stops, I guess, in some ways in 1998. Yeah. Uh, but it recognizes the origins and roots of Porsche. But what I like about it most is I'm a hot rodder at, at heart. I'm not a. I have huge respect for the originality group and and thanks because they give us license to play. But I like Lifka Colt particularly because it's a more casual approach to the cars and creativity is is honored and creativity and Porsche go hand in hand. Three great recommendations, absolutely. Now, if you'd have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be? Ferry Porsche would be somebody I would I would have liked to have met. He died just after I got into the business, and I had no chance to meet him. I would have really liked to have met him and gotten a sense of his sensibilities. The other is Bob Carlson. Yeah, I, I had many drinks and dinners with him. I went to see him not long before he died and sat with him in his living room for some time. But I miss my friend. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, became – because of his professionalism, because he was so professional, we could be on opposite sides of the aisle – and be friends for real. And I miss him dearly. Absolutely. Now, how about a book? There's some awesome books out there, but is there one that you think our listeners would really enjoy? I've got one that relates back to that advice or that mantra of take the long view, and that's The Art of Racing in the Rain. I'm sure some other of your guests have recommended it. <laughs> you know, I'm chuckling because that is the most recommended book here. I have tried so hard to get Garstein on this show. I can't get past his darn publicist who just won't even introduce us. I'll say this again. If there's a listener out there that knows Garth, please have him call me because it's the most recommended book on this show. It's it's incredible. For me, it's there's a simple thing in that book, and that is – I didn't know what I would think of that book from a literary standpoint. I am an English major at the end of the day, although I, I don't write magazines. We don't do magazines for English majors. But when I read that book – for me, the, the the incredible point of that book is when you're headed towards a wall, don't look at the wall. Look at, look down the track where you want to go. Absolutely. Works in life too, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and also also take the long view. You know, the, the main character in that faces a horrible situation and is tarred uh, unjustly. But in the end, it all comes good. Yeah. And it's okay to be uncomfortable for a while. So I really like that book. I recommend that's a car book. The other book I would recommend for people is, is one that probably did more for me in relationships than any other, and that's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Yeah. And it comes with a caveat. Uh, there's a religious aspect to that. There's a, a faith aspect to that book. But I would implore people to not let that get in the way. This is – I've recommended this book to a number of friends uh, who are secular, who are agnostic, or, or wherever they are in their worldview. And I've never had anyone come back with anything but bright eyes and amazement. That book is an eye-opener in relationships, both in the on the home front, as well as business, as well as friendships outside the home front. When you start to realize what your love language is or what other dialects you might have some of, it changes the whole way you view relationship. Great recommendation. I like that book myself. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these awesome resources on Pete's show notes page. At the Cars Yeah website, carsyeah.com slash Pete Stout. I'll make sure that I've got lists to all these events and great references. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Pete. But this one is a tough one. I'm going to buy you any collector car in the world. But just one, and you can only have one. Now, here's what I'm going to do for you, because that 914, I get it. Let's just move it to the back of the garage. You don't have to get rid of it. Well, it'll stay there, okay? I'm not going to make you get rid of that car because that would be mean, and I'm not a mean guy. So money is no object. What is the car going to be and why? This isn't a hard one. Oh, okay, good. 
you know, up to 2004, it would have been really difficult for me. But after spending a week with the Carrera GT, it's the Carrera GT, it's the 2004-2005 V10 powered Carrera GT. That car for me is a is a high water mark. When I drove that car, it, it took about two, three hundred miles to get past the intimidation factor. I'm in the business of getting over the intimidation factor of cars quickly and, and being able to extract a reasonable amount to gain, you know, reasonable impressions of the vehicle. It, that car took longer than any other car to get past the intimidation factor. The size, uh, the clutch didn't bother me so much. It's just a different muscle memory. Once you've got that down, it's not such an issue. But the you can't see out of the front, you can't see out of the back, you can't see where the edges are. It cost $500,000 at the time. It was 440000 And so the intimidation factor is pretty high in that car. It's low. You don't want to scratch anything. You don't want to touch the nose, all these things. But I spent about 1,100, 1,200 miles in that thing. Wow. And I was about three to four hours north of San Francisco on an incredible road. And I just entered this zone that we've all been in, in a back, I hope everyone's been in a back road where everything is just flow. It's just a flow thing. And in that car, it was unlike any other experience I've had. It was the best drive I've ever had in my life. So I, for me, it's a simple answer. It'd be a black Carrera GT. Black. Very nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that was easy for you. I thought it'd be difficult, but a guy who's been there, done that, and driven so many cars, that is quite an accolade for the Career GT. Quite a spectacular car. Well, Pete, you've given me so much time today. You've taken me on such an awesome ride. I am so grateful, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you head off into the Napa Valley roadways in that Carrera GT? Well, thank you for having me, Mark. You're welcome. For me, the parting word of advice is, I have to think about this for a moment. <laughs> it, it's, it gets back to that take the long view. Mm-hmm. And don't be surprised when the road comes back around. Triple zero has shown that to me in spades, where relationships that go back very, very far, there's one that we still haven't really unmasked, but one of the relationships involved with triple zero goes back more than 40 years. Wow. And I'm only 43. <laughs> and it, it happened by what a lot of people would say is coincidence or random chance, and I don't believe that's the case. So you never know what what surprise is, is, is around that next bend. And so I really encourage people to, to be open to receive that, open to receive those surprises and gifts as they come yeah. and enjoy that journey. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about this publication, Triple Zero, and even more importantly, get a subscription? And again, I can't emphasize this more. You know, again, it's a hard number to get over for some people, but I did it very creatively. Like I said, I just canceled a bunch of magazines I wasn't that happy with anymore. And I sent the money to you. And I am so happy that I did it. So how can people learn about Triple Zero? Our website's the best way. It's 000, the three numerals, magazine.com. So 000, magazine, the word, dot com. No, no breaks or anything other than the dot before com. The other way is you can just Google 000 yeah. space magazine. And maybe you throw my name on it, Pete Stout, and you'll end up with links to our original press release. Uh, you can probably find some threads on it on renlist.com, which is another great resource for Porsche people. Oh, yeah. So you can find us. We're out there. 
Absolutely. And an easier way, just go to Cars yeah website, CarsYeah.com, type Pete in the search bar. You can listen ah. to his show there again if you'd like, and you can just click on the links there to triple zero. Hey, Pete, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.